Section 11 of History of New England, 1630 to 1649. This is a LibriVox recordings. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of New England, 1630 to 1649, by John Winthrop. Section 11, 1638. Month 11, January. The church at Roxbury dealt with the verse of their members who had their hands to the petition, and spent many days in public meetings to have brought them to see their sin in that, as also in the corrupt opinions which they held, but could not prevail with them. So they proceeded to two or three admonitions, and, when all was in vain, they cast them out of the church. In their dealing with them, they took some of them in plain lies and other foul distempers. Ninth, Diverse of the elders went to Weymouth, to reconcile the differences between the people and Mr. Jenner, whom they had called thither with intent to have him their pastor. They had good success of their prayers. Thirteenth, about thirty persons of Boston, going out in a fair day to Spectacle Island to cut wood, the town being in great want thereof, the next night the wind rose so high at northeast with snow, and after at northwest for two days, and then it froze so hard as the bay was all frozen up save a little channel. In this twelve of them got to the governor's garden, and seven more were carried in the ice in a small skiff out at Broad Sound, and kept among Brewster's rocks, without food or fire, two days. And then the wind forbearing, they got to Pullen Point, to a little house there of Mr. Aspinwall's. Three of them got home the next day over the ice, but their hands and feet frozen. Some lost their fingers and toes, and one died. The rest went from Spectacle Island to the main, but two of them fell into the ice, yet recovered again. Footnote. Since most of the localities of Boston Harbor retain the old names, the story will be easily followed. In footnote. In this extremity of weather, a small pinnace was cast away upon Long Island by Natascott, but the men were saved and came home upon the ice. Sixteenth. The powder and arms of the country, which were kept at Boston, were, by order of the last court, carried to Roxbury and Newtown. This year a plantation was begun at Tecticut by a gentlewoman, an ancient maid, one Mrs. Poole. She went late thither, and endured much hardship, and lost much cattle, called after Taunton. Footnote. The foundress is still held in honor in Taunton. Another plantation was begun, and called Sandwich, about fifteen miles beyond Plymouth, towards Cape Cod, by many families, which removed from Sagus, otherwise Lynn. Upon occasion of the centuries of the court, upon Mrs. Hutchinson and others, diverse other foul errors were discovered, which had been secretly carried by way of inquiry, but afterward maintained by Mrs. Hutchinson and others, and so many of Boston were tainted with them, as Mr. Cotton, finding how he had been abused, and made, as himself said, their stocking-horse, for they pretended to hold nothing but what Mr. Cotton held, and himself did think the same, did spend most of his time, both publicly and privately, to discover those errors and to reduce such as were gone astray. And also the magistrates, calling together such of the elders as were near, did spend two days in consulting with them about the way to help the growing evils. Some of the secret opinions were these, that there is no inherent righteousness in a child of God, that neither absolute nor conditional promises belong to a Christian, that we are not bound to the law, not as a rule, etc., that the Sabbath is but as other days, that the soul is mortal till it be united to Christ, and then it is annihilated, and the body also, and anew given by Christ, that there is no resurrection of the body. 
month twelfth february diverse gentlemen and others being joined in a military company desired to be made a corporation etc but the council considering from the example of the praetorian band among the romans and the templars in europe how dangerous it might be to erect a standing authority of military men which might easily in time overthrow the civil power thought fit to stop it betimes yet they were allowed to be a company but subordinate to all authority footnote here we have the origin of the ancient and honorable artillery company still a cherished and flourishing organization in footnote about this time the indians which were in our families were much frightened with habamak as they called the devil appearing to them in diverse shapes and persuading them to forsake the english and not to come at the assemblies nor to learn to read etc twenty six mr pierce in the salem ship the desire returned from the west indies after seven months he had been at providence footnote in the caribbean we have here plain evidence of a trade in slaves in footnote and brought some cotton and tobacco and negroes etc from thence and salt from tertugos dry fish and strong liquors are the only commodities for those parts he met there two men of war set forth by the lords etc of providence footnote see ante page two twenty eight note one in footnote with letters of mart who had taken diverse prizes from the spaniard and many negroes month one march while mrs hutchinson continued at roxbury diverse of the elders and others resorted to her and finding her to persist in maintaining those gross errors before mentioned and many others to the number of thirty or thereabout some of them wrote to the church at boston offering to make proof of the same before the church etc fifteen whereupon she was called the magistrates being desired to give her license to come and the lecture was appointed to begin at ten the general court being then at newtown the governor and the treasurer being members of boston were permitted to come down but the rest of the court continued at newtown when she appeared the errors were read to her the first was that the souls of men are mortal by generation but after made immortal by christ's purchase this she maintained a long time but at length she was so clearly convinced by reason and scripture and the whole church agreeing that sufficient had been delivered for her conviction that she yielded she had been in an error then they proceeded to three other errors first that there was no resurrection of these bodies and that these bodies were not united to christ but every person united hath a new body etc these were also clearly confuted but yet she held her own so as the church all but two of her sons agreed she should be admonished and because her sons would not agree to it they were admonished also mr cotton pronounced the sentence of admonition with great solemnity and with much zeal and detestation of her errors and pride of spirit footnote nothing in cotton's life is so hard to excuse as his pronouncing sentence at this time upon anne hutchinson her affection for him brought her across the sea it was under his ministrations that her ideas developed while condemning the teaching of the ministers in general she always made an exception of him on his side too his sympathy with her was so strong that his standing had been much imperiled it would be wrong to believe that in turning against her now he was selfishly thinking of himself in his honest opinion she had gone too far endangering the material and spiritual welfare of her environment the situation is full of pathos the strong well-purposed man bound by many limitations yearning no doubt toward the pupil he had moulded but alarmed at her perverseness sits in the judgment seat confronting the enthusiast against whom the world is turning though many of her utterances are scarcely intelligible to modern readers 
an occasional light breaks forth of wisdom before her age. She was brave, sincere, and possessed of womanly sweetness. The world will always with tender thoughts follow her sad fortunes to their tragic close. In footnote. The assembly continued till eight at night, and all did acknowledge the special presence of God's spirit therein, and she was appointed to appear again the next lecture day. While the general court sat, there came a letter directed to the court from John Green of Providence, who not long before had been imprisoned and fined for saying that the magistrates had usurped upon the power of Christ in his church and had persecuted Mr. Williams and another, whom they had banished for disturbing the peace by divulging their opinions against the authority of the magistrates, etc., but upon his submission, etc., his fine was remitted, and now, by his letter, he retracted his former submission, and charged the court as he had done before. Now, because the court knew that diverse others of Providence were of the same ill affection to the court, and were probably suspected to be confederate in the same letter, the court ordered that if any of that plantation were found within our jurisdiction, he should be brought before one of the magistrates, and if he would not disclaim the charge in the said letter, he should be sent home and charged to come no more into this jurisdiction upon pain of imprisonment and further censure. Footnote. From John Green was descended the revolutionary general Nathaniel Green. In footnote. At this court, diverse of our chief military officers, who had declared themselves favorers of the familistical persons and opinions, were sent for, and being told that the court having some jealousy of them for the same, and therefore did desire some good satisfaction from them, they did ingenuously acknowledge how they had been deceived and misled by the pretense which was held forth of advancing christ and debasing the creature etc which since they have found to be otherwise and that their opinions and practices tended to disturbances and delusions and so blessed god that had so timely discovered their error and danger to them at this court a committee was appointed of some magistrates some ministers and some others to compile a body of fundamental laws also the elders who had been requested to deliver their judgments concerning the law of adultery about which three had been long kept in prison returned their answer with the reasons thereof to this effect that if the law had been sufficiently published they ought to be put to death footnote the references to a law passed in october sixteen thirty one providing death for both parties in footnote whereupon the court considering that there had been some defect in that point and especially for that it had been oft questioned among the deputies and others whether that law were of force or not being made by the court of assistance by allowance of the general court therefore it was thought safest that these three persons should be whipped and banished and the law was confirmed and published the castle island being found to be very chargeable to maintain the garrison there and of little use but only to have some command of ships which should come hither with passengers etc there was appointed a committee to dispose of the ammunition there, etc. 22nd. Mrs. Hutchinson appeared again. She had been licensed by the court, in regard she had given hope of her repentance to be at Mr. Cotton's house, that both he and Mr. Davenport might have the more opportunity to deal with her. And the articles being again read to her, and her answer required, she delivered it in writing, wherein she made a retraction of near all, with such explanations and circumstances as gave no satisfaction to the church so as she was required to speak further to them then she declared that it was just with god to leave her to herself as he had done for her slighting his ordinances both magistracy and ministry and confessed that what she had spoken against the magistrates of the court by way of revelation 
was rash and ungrounded, and desired the church to pray for her. This gave the church good hope of her repentance, but when she was examined about some particulars, as that she had denied inherent righteousness, etc., she affirmed that it was never her judgment, and though it was proved by many testimonies that she had been of that judgment, and so had persisted, and maintained it by argument against diverse, yet she impudently persisted in her affirmation to the astonishment of all the assembly. So that, after much time and many arguments had been spent to bring her to see her sin, but all in vain, the church, with one consent, cast her out. Some moved to have her admonished once more, but, it being for manifest evil in matter of conversation, it was agreed otherwise, and for that reason also the sentence was denounced by the pastor, matter of manners belonging properly to his place. After she was excommunicated, her spirits, which seemed before to be somewhat dejected, revived again, and she gloried in her sufferings, saying that it was the greatest happiness, next to Christ, that ever befell her. Indeed, it was a happy day to the churches of Christ here, and to many poor souls, who had been seduced by her, who, by what they heard and saw that day, were, through the grace of God, brought off quite from her errors, and settled again in the truth. At this time the good providence of God so disposed, diverse of the congregation, being the chief men of the party, her husband being one, were gone to Naragneset to seek out a new place for plantation, and, taking liking of one in Plymouth patent, they went thither to have it granted them, but the magistrates there, knowing their spirit, gave them a denial, but consented they might buy of the Indians an island in the Naragneset Bay. Footnote. Here we find the beginnings of the colony of Rhode Island as distinguished from Providence, to which we have seen Roger Williams depart. In footnote, after two or three days, the governor sent a warrant to Mrs. Hutchinson to depart this jurisdiction before the last of this month, according to the order of the court, and for that end set her at liberty from her former constraint, so as she was not to go forth of her own house till her departure, and upon the twenty-eighth she went by water to her farm at the mount, where she was to take water, with Mr. Wheelwright's wife and family, to go to Pascataquack, but she changed her mind, and went by land to Providence, and so to the island in the Naragansett Bay, which her husband and the rest of that sect had purchased of the Indians, and prepared with all speed to remove unto. For the court had ordered that, except they were gone with their families by such a time, they should be summoned to the general court, etc. 30th. Mr. Davenport and Mr. Pruden, and a brother of Mr. Eaton, being ministers also, went by water to Quinepiac, and with them many families removed out of this jurisdiction to plant in those parts, being much taken with the opinion of the fruitfulness of that place, and more safety, as they conceived, from danger of a general governor who is feared to be sent this summer, which, though it were a great weakening to these parts, yet we expected to see a good providence of God in it, for all possible means had been used to accommodate them here. Charlestown offered them largely, Newbury their whole town, the core any place which was free, both for possessing those parts which lay open for an enemy, and for strengthening our friends at Connecticut, and for making room here for many, who were expected out of England this year, and for diverting the thoughts and intentions of such in England as intended evils against us, whose designs might be frustrated by our scattering so far, as such as were now gone that way were as much in the eye of the state of England as we here. Footnote. New Haven must be distinguished from the enterprise of Hooker and Haynes at Hartford or Connecticut. In footnote. 
There came letters from Connecticut to the governor of the Massachusetts to desire advice from the magistrates and elders here about Siquin and the Indians of the river, who had, underhand, as was conceived, procured the Pequots to do that onslaught at Wethersfield the last year. The case fell out to be this. Sequin gave the English land there, upon contract that he might sit down by them and be protected, etc. When he came to Wethersfield and had set down his wigwam, they drave him away by force. Whereupon, he not being of strength to repair this injury by open force, he secretly draws in the Pequods. Such of the magistrates and elders as could meet on the sudden return this answer, viz., that if the case were thus, Sequin might, upon this injury first offered by them, write himself either by force or fraud, and that by the law of nations, and though the damage he had done them had been one hundred times more than what he had sustained from them, that it is not considerable in a point of just war, neither was he bound, upon such an open act of hostility publicly maintained, to seek satisfaction first in a peaceable way. It was enough that he had complained of it as an injury and breach of covenant. According to this advice, they proceeded and made a new agreement with the Indians of the river. Another plantation was now in hand at Mattoxkees, footnote, later Yarmouth, in footnote, six miles beyond Sandwich. The undertaker of this was one Mr. Bachelor, late pastor at Sagus, since called Lynn, being about seventy-six years of age, yet he walked thither on foot in a very hard season. He and his company, being all poor men, finding the difficulty, gave it over, and others undertook it. 27th. The Indians of Block Island sent three men with tin fathom of wampum for part of their tribute. The wife of one William Dyer, a milliner in the New Exchange, a very proper and fair woman, and both of them notoriously infected with Mrs. Hutchinson's airs, and very censorious and troublesome, she being of a very proud spirit and much addicted to revelations, had been delivered of a child some few months before October 17th, and the child buried, being stillborn, and viewed of none but Mrs. Hutchinson and the midwife, one Hawkins wife, a rank familist also, and another woman had glimpse of it, who, not being able to keep counsel, as the other two did, some rumor began to spread that the child was a monster. One of the elders, hearing of it, asked Mrs. Hutchinson, when she was ready to depart, whereupon she told him how it was, and said she meant to have it chronicled, footnote, public registration of births, marriages, and deaths was maintained in the Bay Colony with great care, in footnote, but excused her concealing of it till then, by advice, as she said, of Mr. Cotton, which coming to the governor's knowledge, he called another of the magistrates and that elder, and sent for the midwife, and examined her about it. At first she confessed only that the head was defective and misplaced, but being told that Mrs. Hutchinson had revealed all, and that he intended to have it taken up and viewed, she made this report of it, viz. It was a woman-child, stillborn, about two months before the just time. Having life a few hours before, it came hipplings till she turned it. It was of ordinary bigness, it had a face but no head, and the ears stood upon the shoulders and were like an ape's. It had no forehead, but over the eyes four horns, hard and sharp. Two of them were above one inch long, and the other two shorter, the eyes standing out and the mouth also, the nose hooked upward, all over the breast and back, full of sharp pricks and scales like a thorn back. The navel and all the belly, with the distinction of the sex, were where the back should be, and the back and hips before where the belly should have been. Behind, between the shoulders, it had two mouths, and in each of them a piece of red flesh sticking out. It had arms and legs as other children, 
but instead of toes, it had on each foot three claws like a young fowl with sharp talons. The governor, speaking with Mr. Cotton about it, he told him the reason why he advised them to conceal it. First, because he saw a providence of God in it, that the rest of the women who were coming and going in the time of her travail should then be absent. Second, he considered that, if it had been his own case, he would have desired to have it concealed. Third, he had known other monstrous births, which had been concealed, and that he thought God might intend only the instruction of the parents, and such other to whom it was known, etc. The like apology he made for himself in public, which was well accepted. Footnote. The repulsive notion that the displeasure of heaven was revealed by monstrous births was entertained by men of the best intelligence. In footnote. 2. April. The governor, with advice of some other of the magistrates and of the elders of Boston, caused the said monster to be taken up, and though it were much corrupted, yet most of those things were to be seen, as the horns and claws, the scales, etc. When it died in the mother's body, which was about two hours before the birth, the bed whereupon the mother lay did shake, and withal there was such a noisome savor, as most of the women were taken with extreme vomiting and purging, so as they were forced to depart, and others of them their children were taken with convulsions, which they never had seen before nor after, and so were sent for home, so as by these occasions it came to be concealed. Another thing observable was the discovery of it, which was just when Mrs. Hutchinson was cast out of the church. From Mrs. Dyer going forth with her, a stranger asked what young woman it was. The others answered, it was a woman which had the monster, which gave the first occasion to some that heard it to speak of it. The midwife, presently after this discovery, went out of the jurisdiction, and indeed it was time for her to be gone, for it was known that she used to give young women oil of mandrakes and other stuff to cause conception, and she grew into great suspicion to be a witch, for it was credibly reported that when she gave any medicines, for she practiced physic, she would ask the party if she did believe she could help her, etc. Another observable passage was that the father of this monster coming home at this very time was the next Lord's Day by an unexpected providence, questioned in the church for diverse monstrous airs, as for denying all inherent righteousness, etc., which he maintained and was for the same admonished. Footnote. The putting to death of Mary Dyer, the Quakeress, who now in this sad fashion emerges into history, is the tragedy of a later time. Her execution took place in 1660. In footnote. 12. A general fast was kept through all the churches, by advice from the court, for seeking the Lord to prevent evil, that we feared to be intended against us from England by a general governor, for the safe arrival of our friends from thence, very many being expected, and for establishment of peace and truth amongst us. 21st. How Samaken, the sachem of Akuamek, on the side Connecticut, came to the governor and brought a present of eighteen skins of beaver from himself and the sachems of Mohegan, beyond Connecticut and Packentucket. The occasion was, as he said, it was reported that we were angry with him and intended to war upon them, so they came to seek peace. The governor received the present, and having none of the other magistrates at hand to advise with, answered them that if they had done no wrong to the English, nor aided our enemies, we would be at peace with them, and accordingly signified so much to the magistrates at Connecticut. They took this answer well and departed with the letter. 23rd. This was a very hard winter. The snow lay from November 4th to March 23rd, half a yard deep about the Massachusetts, and a yard deep beyond Merrimack, 
and so the more north the deeper, and the spring was very backward. This day it did snow two hours together, after much rain from northeast, with flakes as great as shillings. This was in the year 1637. 24. The governor and deputy went to Concord to view some land for farms, and going down the river about four miles, they made choice of a place for one thousand acres for each of them. They offered each other the first choice, but because the deputy's was first granted, and himself had store of land already, the deputy yielded him the choice. So, at the place where the deputy's land was to begin, there were two great stones, which they called the two brothers, in remembrance that they were brothers by their children's marriage, and stood so brotherly agree, and for that a little creek near these stones was to part their lands. At the court in that fourth month after, two hundred acres were added to the governor's park. Footnote. The two brothers still hold their place on the river bank. See photograph in Augustine Jones, Thomas Dudley. The reconciliation between Winthrop and Dudley seems to have been complete. In footnote. 26. Mr. Coddington, who had been an assistant from the first coming over of the government, being, with his wife, taken with familistical opinions, removed to Aquaday Island in the Naragnaset Bay. 3. May 2nd. At the court of elections, the former governor, John Winthrop, was chosen again. The same day, at night, he was taken with a sharp fever, which brought him near death, but many prayers were put up to the Lord for him, and he was restored again after one month. This court, the name of Newtown, was altered, and it was called Cambridge. Footnote. Savage estimates that there were forty or fifty Cambridge men dwelling in the colony, and not a few from Oxford. The college was established by order of the general court in October 1636. Reverend John Harvard died later in this year, 1638. The name Harvard College was bestowed in March 1639 in recognition of his bequest. In footnote. The spring was so cold that men were forced to plant their corn two or three times, for it rotted in the ground. But when we feared a great dearth, God sent a warm season, which brought on corn beyond expectation. 4. June 1. Between three and four in the afternoon, being clear warm weather, the wind westerly, there was a great earthquake. It came with a noise like a continued thunder or the rattling of coaches in London, but was presently gone. It was at Connecticut, at Narragansett, at Pascagaquack, and all of the parts round about. It shook the ships which rode in the harbor, and all the islands, etc. The noise and the shakings continued about four minutes. The earth was unquiet twenty days after, by times. Fifth, Uncas, alias Okoko, the Mohegan Sachem in the twist of Pequod River. Footnote, the Mohegans lay west of the Pequot territory, as the Narragansetts lay to the east in footnote, came to Boston with thirty-seven men. He came from Connecticut with Mr. Haynes, and tendered the governor a present of twenty fathom of wampum. This was at the court, and it was thought fit by the council to refuse it, till he had given satisfaction about the Pequods he kept, etc. Upon this he was much dejected, and made account we would have killed him, but two days after, having received good satisfaction of his innocency, etc., and he promised to submit to the order of the English touching the Pequods he had, and the differences between the Naragnasets and him. We accepted his present, and, about half an hour after, he came to the governor, and entertained him with these compliments. This heart, laying his hand upon his breast, is not mine, but yours. I have no men, they are all yours. Command me any difficult thing, I will do it. I will not believe any Indian's words against the English. If any man shall kill an Englishman, I will put him to death, 
were he never so dear to me. So the governor gave him a fair red coat, and a frayed his and his men's diet, and gave them corn to relieve them homeward, and a letter of protection to all men, etc., and he departed very joyful. Many ships arrived this year, with people of good quality and estate, notwithstanding the council's order, that none such should come without the king's license, but God so wrought that some obtained licenses and others came away without. The troubles which arose in Scotland about the Book of Common Prayer and the canons, which the king would have forced upon the Scotch churches, did so take up the king and council that they had neither heart nor leisure to look after the affairs of New England. Yet upon report of the many thousands which were preparing to come away, the archbishop caused all the ships to be stayed. But upon the petition of the masters and suggestion of the great damage it would be to the commonwealth in hindering the Newfoundland trade, which brought in much money, etc., they were presently released. And in this and other passages it plainly appeared that near all the lords of the council did favor this plantation, and all the officers of the custom house were very ready to further it, for they never made search for any goods, etc., but let men bring what they would without question or control. For sure the Lord awed their hearts, and they and others who savored not religion, were amazed to see men of all conditions, rich and poor, servants and others, offering themselves so readily for New England, when, for furnishing of other plantations, they were forced to send about their stalls, footnote, decoys, in footnote, and when they had gotten away, they were forced to keep them as prisoners from running away. Month 6th, August 3rd. In the night was a very great tempest, or hurricano, at southwest, which drave a ship on ground at Charleston, and brake down the windmill there, and did much other harm. It flowed twice in six hours, and about Naragneset, it raised the tide fourteen or fifteen foot above the ordinary spring tides upright. Janimo, the sachin of Neantic, footnote, the Neantics were a tribe near and closely allied to the Naragnesets, in territory towards which the English were now departing, in footnote, had gone to Long Island, and rifled some of those Indians, which were tributaries to us. The Sachem complained to our friends of Connecticut, who wrote us about it, and sent Captain Mason with seven men to require satisfaction. The governor of the Massachusetts wrote also to Mr. Williams to treat with me and Tenema about satisfaction, or otherwise to bid them look for war. Upon this, Janimo went to Connecticut, and made his peace, and gave full satisfaction for all injuries. Two ships which came over this year much festered, lost many passengers and some principal men, and many fell sick after they were landed, and many of them died. Four servants of Plymouth ran from their masters, and, coming to Providence, they killed an Indian. He escaped, after he was deadly wounded in the belly, and got to other Indians. So, being discovered, they fled and were taken at the Isle Aquidae. Footnote. Aquidae, Aquidneck, or Rhode Island, now becoming important as a seat of the new plantation beyond Providence, in footnote. Mr. Williams gave notice to the governor of Massachusetts and desired advice. He returned answer that, seeing they were of Plymouth, they should certify Plymouth of them, and if they would send for them, to deliver them. Otherwise, seeing no English had jurisdiction in the place where the murder was committed, neither had they at the island any government established, it would be safest to deliver the principal, who is certainly known to have killed the party, to the Indians his friends, with caution that they should not put him to torture, and to keep the other three to further consideration. After this, Plymouth men sent for them, but one had escaped, and the governor there wrote to the governor here for advice, especially for that he heard they intended to appeal into England. The governor returned answer of encouragement to proceed notwithstanding, 
seeing no appeal did lie for that they could not be tried in england and that the whole country here were interested in the case and would expect to have justice done footnote see bradford pages three forty four to three forty six the plymouth governor at this time was thomas prince in footnote whereupon they proceeded as appears after many of boston and others who were of mrs hutchinson's judgment and party removed to the isle of aquaday and others who were of rigid separation and savored anabaptism removed to providence so as those parts began to be well peopled there came over the summer twenty ships and at least three thousand persons footnote the immigration which two years later suddenly ceased was now at its height in footnote so as they were forced to look out new plantations one was begun at merrimac and another four or five miles above concord and another at winnacowit the three prisoners being brought to plymouth and there examined did all confess their murder and that they did it to get his wampum etc but all the question was about the death of the indian for no man could witness that he saw him dead but mr williams and mr james of providence made oath that his wound is mortal etc at last two indians who with much difficulty were procured to come to the trial for they still feared that the english were conspired to kill all the indians made oath after this manner viz that if he were not dead of that wound then they would suffer death upon this they three were condemned and executed two of them died very penitently especially arthur peach a young man of good parentage and fair condition and who had done very good service against the pequods the fourth escaped to pascataquack the governor sent after him but those of pascataquack conveyed him away and openly withstood his apprehension it was their usual manner some of them to countenance etc all such lewd persons as fled from us to them seven september the general court was assembled in which it was agreed that whereas a very strict order was sent from the lord's commissioners for plantations for the sending home our patent upon pretence that judgment had passed against it upon a cool warranto a letter should be written by the governor in the name of the court to excuse our not sending of it for it was resolved to be best not to send it because then such of our friends and others in england would conceive it to be surrendered and that thereupon we should bound to receive such a governor and such orders as should be sent to us in many bad minds yea and some weak ones among ourselves would think it lawful if not necessary to accept a general governor the copy of the letter is reserved etc in form of a petition see the after folio seventy four footnote it was an important in this age that a charter should be beyond the control of the grantor not lightly to be set aside but only after quo warranto proceedings embarrassing to those in power see brooks adams emancipation of massachusetts page seventeen winthrop refers to a page in a second notebook where savage found nothing in footnote at this court a law was made about such as should continue excommunicated six months and for public thanksgiving for the arrival of the ships and for the coming on of harvest beyond expectations etc this law was after repealed at this court also captain underhill being about to remove to mr wheelwright petitioned for three hundred acres of land promised him formerly by occasion whereof he was questioned about some speeches he had used in the ship lately in his returns out of england viz that he should say that we were zealous here as the scribes and pharisees were and as paul was before his conversion etc which he denying they were proved to his face by a sober godly woman whom he had seduced in the ship and drawn to his opinions but she was after freed again among other passages he told her how he came to his assurance and that was thus 
he had lain under a spirit of bondage in a legal way five years and could get no assurance till at length as he was taking a pipe of tobacco the spirit set home an absolute promise of free grace with such assurance and joy as he never since doubted of his good estate neither should he though he should fall into sin he would not confess or deny this but took exceptions at the court for crediting one witness against him etc and withal said that he was still of the same opinion he had been etc whereupon he was demanded if he were of the same opinion he had been in about the petition of remonstrance he answered yes and that this retraction was only of the manner not of the matter whereupon his retraction which he had lately delivered to the governor to be presented to this court was read wherein he professeth how the lord had brought him to see his sin in condemning the court and passing the bounds of modesty and submission which is required in private persons etc and in what spirit of trouble he had been for it etc upon this the court committed him for abusing the court with a show of retraction intending no such thing and the next day he was called again and banished the lord's day following he made a speech in the assembly showing that as the lord was pleased to convert paul as he was in persecuting etc so he might manifest himself to him as he was taking the moderate use of the creature called tobacco he professed withal that he knew not wherein he had deserved the sentence of the court and that he was sure that christ was his etc the elders reproved him for this speech and mr cotton told him that he break a rule in condemning publicly the magistrates of the court before he privately convinced the magistrates or some of them and told him also that although god doth often lay a man under a spirit of bondage when he is walking in sin as paul was yet he never sends such a spirit of comfort but in an ordinance as he did to the same paul by ananias and ergo advised him well to examine the revelation and joy which he had the next lord's day the same captain underhill having been privately dealt with upon suspicion of incontinency with a neighbor's wife and not hearkening to it was publicly questioned and put under admonition the matter was for that woman being young and beautiful and withal of a jovial spirit and behavior he did daily frequent her house and was diverse times found there alone with her the door being locked on the inside he confessed it was ill because it had an appearance of evil in it but his excuse was that the woman was in great trouble of mind and sore temptations and that he resorted to her to comfort her and that when the door was found locked upon them they were in private prayer together but this practice was clearly condemned also by the elders affirming that it had not been of good report for any of them to have done the like and that they ought in such case to have called in some brother or sister and not to have locked the door etc they also declared that once he procured them to go visit her telling her that she was in great trouble of mind but when they came to her taking her it seems upon the sudden they perceived no such thing footnote this passage makes it plain that the hutchinsonian doctrines admitted of a perilous interpretation john underhill was a dangerous character in the community as a successful soldier of the colony he had great prestige and his bad example would work evil being a subject of the covenant of grace he made it a cloak for licentiousness his acknowledgments of sin and professions of repentance were justly held in suspicion he was long an object of fear in new england in footnote see the issue of this nine sixteen thirty eight and ten thirteen thirty eight mrs hutchinson being removed to the isle of aquaday in the ragnasat bay after her time was fulfilled that she expected deliverance of a child was delivered of a monstrous birth which being diversely related in the country 
and in the open assembly at boston upon a lecture day declared by mr Kant to signify her error in denying inherent righteousness but that all was christ in us and nothing of ours in our faith love etc hereupon the governor wrote to mr clark a physician and a preacher to those of the island to know the certainty thereof footnote the repulsive details which winthrop took pains to gather are here omitted they are not inaccessible and they only show how far bigotry could carry a mind naturally noble and magnanimous in footnote twenty one a ship of barnstable arrived with about twenty passengers near all western people there came with them a godly minister one mr matthews here arrived a small spanish frigate with hides and tallow she was a prize taken by captain newman who was sent out with letters of mart by the lords etc of the isle of providence footnote the context always shows when providence is named whether the spot in new england or that in the caribbean sea is intended see ante page two twenty eight note one in footnote this year there came a letter from mr thomas mutis clerk of the council in england directed to mr winthrop the present governor and therein an order from the lord's commissioners for foreign plantations being all of the council wherein they straightly required that the patent be sent home by the first ship etc this letter and order were produced at the general court last past and they agreed not to send home the patent but to return answer to the lords by way of humble petition which was drawn up and sent accordingly these instruments are all among the governor's papers and the effect of them would be here inserted footnote see hubbard's new england pages two sixty eight to two seventy one for their text in footnote being the third day of the week and two days before the change the wind having blown at northeast all the day and rainy in the night was a mighty tempest and withal the highest tide which had been since our coming into this country but through the good providence of god it did little harm about fourteen days after the wind having been at northwest and then calm here came in the greatest eastern sea which had been in our time mr pierce who came in a week after had that time a very great tempest three days at northeast a remarkable providence appeared in a case which was tried at the last court of assistance diverse neighbors of lynn by agreement kept their cattle by turns it fell out to the turn of one gillow to keep them and as he was driving them forth another of these neighbors went along with him and kept him so earnestly in talk that his cattle strayed and got in the corn then this other neighbor left him and would not help him recover his cattle but went and told another how he had kept gillow in talk that he might lose his cattle etc the cattle gang it into the indian corn eat so much ere they could be gotten out that two of them fell sick of it and one of them died presently and these two cows were that neighbors who had kept gillow and talk etc the man brings his action against gillow for his cow not knowing that he had witness of his speech but gillow producing witnesses etc barred him of his action and had good costs etc the court taking into consideration the great disorder general through this country and costliness of apparel and following new fashions sent for the elders of the churches and conferred with them about it and laid it upon them as belonging to them to redress it by urging it upon the consciences of their people which they promised to do but little was done about it for diverse of the elders wives etc were in some measure partners in this general disorder april october about two years since one mr bernard a minister at batcombe in somersire in england sent over two books in writing one to the magistrates and the other to the elders wherein he laid down arguments against the manner of our gathering our churches etc which the elders could not answer till this time 
by reason of the many troubles about mrs hutchinson's opinions etc mr cotton also answered another book sent over in defence of set form of prayer this i suppose was mr ball's book about this time was very much rain and snow and six weeks together scarce two days without rain or snow this was observed by some as an effect of the earthquake nine november eighth a church was gathered at dedham with good approbation and twenty eighth mr peck ordained teacher at hingham by order of the last general court the governor wrote a letter to mr burdett footnote burdett was a minister who finding the salem atmosphere too strict went north to piscataqua there joining wigan agent of the puritans lord sandbrook who had the power of a governor thereabouts in footnote mr wiggins and others of the plantation of Pascataquack to this effect that whereas there had been good correspondency between us formerly we could not be but sensible of their entertaining and countenancing etc some that we had cast out etc and that our purpose was to survey our utmost limits and make use of them mr burdett returned a scornful answer and would not give the governor his title etc this was very ill taken for that he was one of our body and sworn to our government and a member of the church of salem so as the governor was purposed to summon him to appear at our court to answer his contempt but advising with the deputy about it he was dissuaded from it the rather for that if he should suffer in this cause it would ingratiate him more with the archbishops with whom he had intelligence etc but his counsel is rather to undermine him by making him thoroughly known etc to his friends in Pascataquack and to take them from him whereupon the governor wrote to edward hilton declaring his ill-dealing and sent a copy of his letter and advising them to take heed how they put themselves into his power etc but rather to give us a proof of their respect towards us etc he intimated withal how ill it would relish if they should advance captain underhill whom we had thrust out for abusing the court with feigning a retraction both of his seditious practice and also of his corrupt opinions and after denying it again and for casting reproach upon our churches signifying withal that he was now found to have been an unclean person for he was charged by a godly young woman to have solicited her chastity under pretense of christian love and to have confessed to her that he had his will oftentimes of the cooper's wife and all out of strength of love and the church had sent for him and sent him a license to come and go under the hands of the governor and deputy but he refused to come excusing himself by letters to the elders that the license was not sufficient etc and by letters to the governor that he had no rule to come and answer to any offence except his banishment were released but to the matter he was charged with he gave no answer but sought an evasion pascataquack men had chosen him their governor before the letter came to them thirteenth the governor went by water to salem where he was entertained with all the respect that they could show him the twelfth he returned by land and they sent six of their chief military officers with carbines to guard him to boston seventeenth roger hurlicadin footnote this young magistrate whose promise for usefulness was so prematurely blighted was of noble lineage his line running to the plantagenets his sister maybell married john haynes governor of massachusetts and connecticut from which union came along a distinguished line in footnote one of our magistrates about thirty years of age second son of blank herlackenden of earls colne and essex esquire died at cambridge of the smallpox he was a very godly man and of good use both in the commonwealth and in the church he was buried with military honor because he was lieutenant colonel he left behind a virtuous gentlewoman and two daughters 
He died in great peace and left a sweet memorial behind him of his piety and virtue. 10. December 2nd. Ezekiel Rogers, son of Richard Rogers of Wethersfield in Essex, a worthy son of so worthy a father, lying at Boston with some who came out of Yorkshire with him, where he had been a painful preacher many years, being desirous to partake in the Lord's Supper with the Church of Boston, did first impart his desire to the elders, and having given them satisfaction, they acquainted the church with it, and before the sacrament being called forth by the elders, he spoke to this effect, viz., that he and his company, viz. diverse families who came over with him this summer, had of a good time withdrawn themselves from the church communion of England, and that for many corruptions which were among them. But first he desired, that he might not be mistaken, as if he did condemn all there, for he did acknowledge a special presence of God there in three things. One, in the soundness of doctrine and all fundamental truths. Two, in the excellency of ministerial gifts. Third, in the blessing upon the same for the work of conversion, for the power of religion, in all which there appeared more, etc., in England, than in all the known world besides. Yet there are such corruptions as, since God let them see some light therein, they could not, with safe conscience, join any longer with them. The first is their national church, second their hierarchy, holy anti-Christian, third their dead service, fourth their receiving nay compelling all to partake of the seals, fifth their abuse of excommunication, wherein they unwrap many a godly minister by causing him to pronounce their sentence, etc., they not knowing that the fear of excommunication lies in that. Hereupon they bewailed before the Lord their sinful partaking so long in those corruptions, and entered a covenant together, to walk together in all the ordinances, etc. Footnote. Ezekiel Rogers stood a powerful figure in the New England Church. Rowley, of which he was the first minister, took its name from the Yorkshire village from which he came, and his influence was felt far and wide. He is especially commemorated in the Magnalia of Cotton Mather. The ensuing item of 1639 is inserted by Winthrop out of place to complete the story. In footnote. 1639. 10 December 3rd. Being settled that rally, they renewed their church covenant, and their call blank of Mr. Rogers to the office of pastor, according to the course of other churches, etc. 10. December 6. Dorothy Telby was hanged at Boston for murdering her own daughter, a child of three years old. She had been a member of the Church of Salem, and of good esteem for godliness, etc., but falling at difference with her husband through melancholy or spiritual delusions, she sometimes attempted to kill him and her children and herself by refusing meat, saying it was so revealed to her, etc. After much patience and diverse admonitions not prevailing, the church cast her out, whereupon she grew worse, so as the magistrate caused her to be whipped, whereupon she was reformed for a time and carried herself more dutifully to her husband, etc., but soon after she was so possessed with Satan that he persuaded her, by his delusions which she listened to as revelations from God, to break the neck of her own child that she might free it from future misery. This she confessed upon her apprehension, yet at her arraignment she stood mute a good's faith, till the governor told her she should be pressed to death, and then she confessed the indictment. When she was to receive judgment, she would not uncover her face nor stand up, but as she was forced, nor give any testimony of her repentance, either then or at her execution. The cloth, which should have covered her face, she plucked off, and put between the rope and her neck. She desired to have been beheaded, giving this reason, that it was less shameful and less painful. After a swing or two, she catched at the ladder. Mr. Peter, of her late pastor, and Mr. Wilson went with her to the place of execution, 
but could do no good with her. Mr. Peter gave an exhortation to the people to take heed of revelations, etc., and of despising the ordinance of excommunication as she had done, for when it was to have been denounced against her, she turned her back, and would have gone forth if she had not been stayed by force. One Captain Newman, being set forth with commission from the Earl of Holland, Governor of the Westminster Company, and the Earl of Warwick, and others of the same company, footnote, the Company of the Isle of Providence, see pages 228, note 1, and footnote, to spoil the Spaniard within the limits of their grant in the West Indies, after he had taken many of their small vessels, etc., returned home by the Massachusetts in a small pinnace, with which he had taken all his prizes, for his great ship was of no use for that purpose. He brought many hides and much tallow. This hides he stole here for 17.10 pounds a score, the tallow at 20 shillings, the hundred, and set sail for England. He was after cast away at Christopher's with a very rich prize in the great Hurricano, 1642. Thirteenth, a general fast was kept upon the motion of the elders to the governor and council. The chief occasion was, the much sickness of pox and fever spread throughout the country, yet it was to the east and south also, the apparent decay of power of religion, and the general declining of professors to the world, etc. Mr. Cotton, in his exercise that day at Boston, did confess and bewail as the churches, so his own security sloth and credulity whereupon so many and dangerous errors had gotten up and spread in the church and he went over all the particulars and showed how he came to be deceived the errors being framed in words so near the truths which he had preached and the falsehood of the maintainers of them who had usually denied to him what they had delivered to others etc he acknowledged that such as had been seducers of others instancing in some of those of the island though he named them not had been justly banished yet he said that such as had been only misled and others who had not done anything out of a misguided conscience not being grossly evil should be born withal and first referred to the church and that if that could not heal them they should rather be imprisoned fined or etc than banished qua it was likely no other church would receive them footnote in this passage we see the mental suffering of cotton such cases as that of underhill no doubt appalled him and he was driven to strictness the concluding sentences show that his heart was tender towards those who wandered and averse to severe discipline in footnote those who were gone with mrs hutchinson to aquaday fell into new errors daily one nicholas easton a tanner taught that gifts and graces were the antichrist mentioned thessalonians and that which withheld etc was the preaching of the law and that every of the elect had the holy ghost and also the devil indwelling another one hern taught that women had no souls and that adam was not created in true holiness etc for then he could not have lost it those who went to the falls at pascataquack gathered a church and wrote to our church to desire us to dismiss mr wheelwright to them for an officer but because he desired it not himself the elders did not propound it soon after came his own letter with theirs for his dismission which thereupon was granted others likewise upon their request were also dismissed thither the governor's letter to mr hilton about mr burdett and captain underhill was by them intercepted and opened and thereupon they wrote presently into england against us discovering what they knew of our combination to resist any authority that should come out of england against us etc for they were extremely moved by the governor's letter but could take no advantage by it for he made account when he wrote it that mr hilton would show it them and upon this captain underhill wrote a letter to mr cotton full of high and threatening words against us but he wrote another at the same time 
to the governor in very fair terms, entreating an obliterating of all that was past, and a bearing with human infirmities, etc., disavowing all purposes of revenge, etc. The devil would never cease to disturb our peace and to raise up instruments one after another. Amongst the rest, there was a woman in Salem, one Oliver, his wife, who had suffered somewhat in England for refusing to bow at the name of Jesus, though otherwise she was conformable to all their orders. She was, for ability of speech and appearance of zeal and devotion, far before Mrs. Hutchinson, and so the fitter instrument to have done hurt, but that she was poor and had little acquaintance. She took offense at this, that she might not be admitted to the Lord's Supper without giving public satisfaction to the church of her faith, etc., and covenanting or professing to walk with them according to the rule of the gospel, so as upon the sacrament day she openly called for it, and stood to plead her right, though she were denied, and would not forbear before the magistrate Mr. Endicott did threaten to send the constable to put her forth. This woman was brought to the court for disturbing the peace of the church, etc., and there she gave such peremptory answers, as she was committed till she should find sureties for her good behavior. After she had been in prison three or four days, she made means to the governor, and submitted herself, and acknowledged her fault in disturbing the church, whereupon he took her husband's bond for her good behavior, and discharged her out of prison. But he found after that she still held her former opinions, which were very dangerous as, one, that the church is the heads of the people, both magistrates and ministers, met together, and that these have power to ordain ministers, etc. 2. That all that dwell in the same town, and will profess their faith in Christ Jesus, ought to be received to the sacraments there, and that she was persuaded that, if Paul were at Salem, he would call all the inhabitants there saints. 3. That excommunication is no other but when Christians withdraw private communion from one that hath offended. About five years later this woman was adjudged to be whipped for reproaching the magistrates. She stood without tying, and bare her punishment with a masculine spirit, glorying in her suffering. But after, when she came to consider the reproach, which would stick by here, etc., she was much dejected about it. She had a cleft stick put on her tongue half an hour for reproaching the elders. At Providence, also, the devil was not idle. For whereas, at their first coming thither, Mr. Williams and the rest did make an order that no man should be molested for his conscience, now men's wives and children's and servants claim liberty hereby to go to all religious meetings though never so often or through private upon the weekdays and because one baron refused to let his wife go to mr william so oft as she was called for they were required to have him censured but there stood up one arnold a witty man of their own company and withstood it telling them that when he consented that order he never intended it should extend to the breach of any ordinance of god such as the subjection of wives to their husbands, etc., and gave diverse solid reasons against it. Then one Green, who hath married the wife of one beggarly, whose husband is living, and no divorce, etc., but only it was said that he had lived in adultery and had confessed it, he replied that, if they should restrain their wives, etc., all the women in the country would cry out of them, etc. Arnold answered to him thus, Did you pretend to leave the Massachusetts? because you would not offend God to please men, and you would now break an ordinance and commandment of God to please women? Some were of opinion that if Varon would not suffer his wife to have her liberty, the church should dispose her to some other man who would use her better. Arnold told them that it was not the woman's desire to go so off from home, but only Mr. Williams and others. In conclusion, when they would have censured Varon, Arnold told them, then it was against their own order, for Varon did that he did out of conscience, and their order was that no man should be censured for his conscience.
another plot the old serpent had against us by sowing jealousies and differences between us and our friends at connecticut and also plymouth this latter was about our bounds they had planted situate and had given out all the lands to cunning hassett we desired only so much of the marshes there as might accommodate hingham which being denied we caused charles river to be surveyed and found it come so far southward as would fetch and situate and more but this was referred to a meeting between us the differences between us and those of connecticut were diverse but the ground of all was their shyness of coming under our government which though we never intended to make them subordinate to us yet they were very jealous and therefore in the articles of the confederation which we propounded to them and whereby order was taken that all differences which might fall out should be ended by way of peace and never come to a necessity of, or danger of force they did so alter the chief article as all would have come to nothing for whereas the article was that upon any matter of difference two three or more commissioners of every of the confederate colonies should assemble and have absolute power the greater number of them to determine the matter they would have them only to meet and if they could agree so if not then to report to their several colonies and to return with their advice and so to go on till the matter might be agreed which besides that it would have been infinitely tedious and extremely chargeable it would never have attained the end for it was very unlikely that all the churches and all the plantations would ever have accorded upon the same propositions footnote though the relations of connecticut with the parent colony were here inharmonious the immigrants at first remembered with affection their old homes hartford was originally called newtown from whence most of the settlers were drawn windsor was dorchester and westfield watertown in footnote these articles with their alterations they sent to our general court at newtown the blank of the fifth by mr haynes mr pinchion and john steele the court finding their alteration and the inconveniences thereof would take the like liberty to add an altar for the articles were drawn only by some of the council and never allowed by the court this they accepted against and would have restrained us of that liberty which they took themselves and some of their three commissioners falling in debate with some of our deputies said that they would not meddle with anything that was within our limits which being reported to the court they thought it seasonable we should stand upon our right so as though we were formerly willing that aguam now springfield should have befallen into their government yet seeing they would not be beholden to us for any thing we intended to keep it and accordingly we put it in as an article that the line between us should be one way the pequod river viz south and north and the other way viz east and west the limits of our own grant in this article we added that we etc should have liberty passed to and fro upon connecticut and they likewise to these articles all their commissioners offered to consent but it was thought by our court because of the new articles that they should first acquaint their own court with it and so their commissioners departed after this we understood that they went on to exercise the authority at agawam footnote agawam or springfield also the indian name of ipswich whereupon the governor wrote to them to desire them to forbear until the line was laid out with advice about some other things as by the copy of the letter appears after a long time mr ludlow in the name of their court returned answer which was very harsh and in fine declared that they had thought it not fit to treat any further before they had advice from the gentlemen of saybrook etc the governor acquainted the council and magistrates with this letter and because they had tied our hands in a manner from replying he wrote a private letter to mr haynes whereupon he lays open their mistakes as he called them and the apparent causes of offence which they had given us 
is by disclaiming to the Durangasats to be bound by our former agreement with them, which they would never make till the wars were ended, by making a treaty of agreement with the Narragansetts and Monhegans without joining us or mentioning us to that end, though we had by letter given them liberty to take us in, and by binding all the Indians who had received any Pequas to pay tribute for them all to them at Connecticut, etc. All these things are clearly to be seen in the letters. These and the like miscarriages in point of correspondency were conceived to arise from these two errors in their government. One, they chose diverse scores of men, who had no learning nor judgment, which might fit them for those affairs, though otherwise men holy and religious. Two, by occasion hereof, the main burden for managing of state business fell upon some one or other of their ministers, as a phrase and style of these letters will clearly discover, who, though they were men of singular wisdom and godliness, yet stepping out of their course, their actions wanted that blessing which otherwise might have been expected. Footnote. Savage's note here gives an idea of the care with which his transcript, adopted in the present edition, was made. These lines were so effectually erased that, for some years, my desire of deciphering them was baffled, but after twice abandoning the task, I gradually obtained, with the aid of a gentleman much skilled in reading difficult manuscripts, a sufficient confidence in all but one word. In footnote. August 28, 1638. In my letter to Mr. Hooker, I complain of three things. One, that they told the Naragnesets that they were not tied to the agreement we made with the Indians, and that they did this to advance their own reputation with the Indians and to abase ours, that it was a point of state policy in them not to dissent while the war was at their doors, for they had need of our help, etc., that it was done without any pressing occasion, that it was done unseasonably after their own commissioners had propounded that before the Indians we should in all things appear as one. Second, that they altered the Articles of Confederation in the most material point, and all because some preeminence was therein yielded to the Massachusetts, and being agreed again, only referred to consent, etc., in three months we had no answer from them, that the way which they would have taken of referring differences to the churches would occasion infinite trouble and expense, and yet leave the issue to the sword. I expostulated about the unwarrantableness and unsafeness of referring matter of counsel or judicature to the body of the people, qua the best part is always the least, and of that best part the wiser part is always the lesser. The old law was, choose ye out judges, etc., and thou shalt bring the matter to the judge, etc. That they did still exercise jurisdiction at Egawam, though one of their commissioners disclaimed to intermeddle in our line, and thither we challenged our right, and it was agreed so, and I had wrote to them to desire them to forbear until, etc., that Mr. Pinchion had small encouragement to be under them, that if his relation were true, I could not see the justice of the proceeding against him, etc. That the end of my writing to him was that he might help quench these sparks of contention, that I did open our grievances with him in their most true and reasonable intendment, that though I be strict for our right in public, qua their magistrates are so, yet I am willing to listen to advice, and my aim is a common good. Footnote. This passage was written by Winthrop in another part of the manuscript volume, but we are apparently warranted in treating it as a portion of the journal. The letter here summarized, though described as addressed to Hooker, not Haynes, is plainly a part of the correspondence mentioned in the paragraph to which we have subjoined this extract. In footnote. Fifteenth. The wind at northeast, there was so great a tempest of wind and snow all the night and the next day, as had not been since our time. Five men and youths perished between Mattapan and Dorchester, and a man and a woman between Boston and Roxbury. 
Anthony Deck in a bark of thirty tons, cast away upon the head of Cape Cod. Three were starved to death with the cold, and other two got some fire and so lived there, by such food as they saved seven weeks till an Indian found them, etc. Two vessels bound for Quinnipiac were cast away at Aquaday, but the people saved. Much other harm was done in saving of boats, etc., and by the great tides which exceeded all before. This happened the day after a general fast which occasioned some of our ministers to stir us up to seek the Lord better, because he seemed to discountenance the means of reconciliation. Whereupon the next journal court, by advice of the elders, had agreed to keep another day and to seek further the causes of such displeasure, etc., which accordingly was performed. End of section 11